Hey, this is Ledge, and for our special 100th episode of The Frontier, I got to sit down at Corporate HQ in Nashville with CEO and co-founder Tasia Yenamandra. Super cool to have you here, man. What up? Thank you for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, I thought this would be a great time, you know, in the genesis of the business. I mean, it's just like milestones all over the place, right? Like, let's go back to origin story. You know, it's like, it's like people think about the overnight success of, you know, the startup or, you know, you get to like X million dollars of sales. But I mean, all this started somewhere. Where was that? You know, tell us, tell us the story. Let's like walk through the origin story. Sure. So 2006, actually, I was in the dining hall at college and um, met this guy through a mutual friend of ours. His name was Rich Jones. Rich was the first real anarchist I had met in real life. So like you, you know, you study different political systems and like you, but you never really meet somebody who's like, I'm an anarchist, right? Like <laughs> you, you meet, you meet people who's like parents voted for a Democrat or, you know, a Republican <laughs> or whatever, but you never meet somebody who's like a self-proclaimed and, you know, to this day, I don't know if he was trolling <laughs> or what. At least he fucking thinks differently. He's an idea man. Yeah, no, no, like, <laughs> like he thinks and acts differently, right? So Rich ended up basically being friends with a key group of friends that I went to high school with. This was bad. I mean, this is like so ten had, years ago. Yeah, like a connection across yeah. like multi channels, kept exactly overlapping. Yeah. different different personal networks. And so, um, fast forward several years later, you know, we graduated college. We kept in touch. Uh, mainly just because of the strength of our um, sort of like relational networks, right? And um, I was working at a startup in Shanghai, China for a daily deals, basically for a daily deals company. And um, Rich came and visited me. Um, we had a good time out there. That company uh, ended up exiting and I moved back to the US and I remember having to get shoulder surgery. So I was like, all right, like I have basically six to nine months of forced downtime i can't i can't really like work because i need to stay at home like recovering with a pt and stuff i had met a friend of mine jp at a house party because i'd actually hired his then girlfriend to work for a company that i was working for i moved back to the states jp moves back to the states for work as well and um he had this in college, he was a hustler, man. She had this crazy notion of like building a website to basically help um, small colleges and shitty towns find their students off campus housing. Okay. Right? So it was like a super niche business. But here's the thing as you know, how many people fucking actually make money from their dumb startup ideas? Very few. 1%. JP, yeah. JP was of that 1%. And not only did he make money, he made like 10 grand from like basically selling his university, the ability, the university location, the ability to list off-campus rentals. Right, right. Which sounds like, I mean, at this point, if you're no, you know, but like, jumping in like that, but that was like what, like 2005? It was, you know. it, no, it was like, no, okay. it was like 2000 and, 12, but like still, but still a long yeah, time like ago. Things didn't work like they do now. Yeah, there was no yeah. Zillow. There was no, you know, gig economy, like any of that stuff. Totally. Right. And so it's a big fucking deal. It's a big deal when you're 22 and you see somebody who's made money from their own right. mind. Right. Right. Rather than like from and that's a the paycheck. guy you want to be associated with. Totally. Yeah. And so, um, you know, JP and I, we started working together on this business. 
right? And uh, we would just cold call different realtors for hours a day, basically. You know, eight hours a day, we would just cold call realtors. And we got to a point in the business where we were like, hey, like, we really need devs to help us, like, improve the actual web experience, right? And so I knew, I knew Rich was a, like, I was a developer. Mm. We had kept in touch over the years, and I emailed him. And I remember this fucking email. He'll probably deny it if you ask him. But I'm like, yo, dude, like, I need to hire a developer. Like, I'm willing to pay $10 an hour. <laughs> and I CC'd, like, him, a mutual friend of ours, and um, I don't forget someone. Maybe JP. Maybe that's the third guy. If we can and get our hands on this email. I this fucking have it. Classic. I have it. Yeah, I have it. And, uh, you know, I'm going to give myself some, what is this? I'm going to get myself. This is a good interlude in the story to remind everybody that this 100th episode is sponsored by by Corsair Distillery out of Nashville, Tennessee. They are actually downstairs in the same building we're at. And we had an amazing pregame whiskey tasting sponsored by Corsair. You can catch that video probably on YouTube. You probably don't want the audio, but it's a lot of fun to watch. (laughs) It's fun. So back to hiring developers for $10 an hour. Yeah, totally. So Rich, he put me on blast, dude. So like he responded (laughs) to the whole fucking thread. Like, are you like, that's less than. How dare you? No, he's like, that's less than minimum wage. Or maybe at the time it was minimum wage. I forget. I'm fucking old. But like, you know, uh, he and I'm like, fuck. All right. Fair enough. I'm like, what's it cost to like hire a good debt? Right, like, when, where the fuck do I find them? Because I can't find them because at the time, the available websites were shitty and, like, yeah. they were not focused on high quality, good devs that you can trust. They were focused on, like, what's the cheapest dev you can hire, right? Right, right. And um, very early, not yeah. even gig economy, but just like, you know, give me anything, like the Craigslist of hire a developer. Yeah, totally. Uh, so you got blasted on by Rich. Yeah, and I'm like, all right, fuck, like, that's a good point. Like, and I'm like, Rich, why don't you help us with this business? And he's like, you know what? Like, I could do that. Let me do that. I also have a business. Um, can you guys help me with that? Because, you know, I had sort of seen a company go from inception. Like, I was like, I was a very early employee at the startup that I worked at. And, you know, it got to several hundred people. So I was pretty confident in my ability to like see a company through a full life. So, I mean, obviously I was naive and I thought it would be a lot easier than Naivety it has been. Naivety and confidence go well together. Totally, yeah, totally, right? totally. Especially in startup world. Yeah, totally. And um, JP was like, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> I, we could do this. And so I'm like, all right, like, Rich will help you with your, whatever the fuck you're working on, you help us with ours. And we quickly got to a position with both of our businesses where we saw like the bigger, the bigger economic opportunity was certainly in figuring out how to like change the way uh work is done right and we found that like the most compelling need for the fastest growing businesses was in the vertical of software development right right like we found that like you know there were a class of quickly growing businesses and that class of quickly growing businesses spent a lot of money and what they spent a lot of money on was like either growth or software development sure and so we were like well this is like if we think about what we want to dedicate the next several years of our lives to we want to focus on the things that have the highest leverage the most impact and like the most chance of like building a big ass company and like that'd be fun right and um 
that sort of ended up being um, what Rich was working on. But it's interesting because I was already working with JP and Rich had not known JP. And so I was like, all right, Rich, like, we'll work with you on this thing that you're working on, which I don't know if I've explained, but at the time, in like 2013, it was basically just a job board that hook up open source developers. uh, Bug bounty, right? Yeah, so so that was like, I mean, Rich built that initial version of Gunyo in his dorm room. So like it, actually in in what we called the punk house, not his dorm room. So I had a, I had a a bunch of my friends from high school lived with Rich in this house. That was a fucking pigsty, and we called it the punk house. I'm the talking like, I'm, dude. I'm talking like, there was like like tenement style, dude. Worse, like there was a a sink that was not more than a foot each side. No, it's actually a big ass sink, but like. Let's six call, let's call it six inches. yeah six inches a small sink yeah a small ass sink filled with dishes just growing you know <laughs> science projects on it anyway <laughs> we the get guy, the picture yeah yeah like I can't confirm in fact I have I don't know I haven't asked it's either he wrote the V one in the punk house or he wrote it in his dorm in fucking West Campus BU either way he wrote it in. And it was hired guns, I think, at some point, right? That was the original incorporated name, yeah. I think. But there was a marketing company called Hired Guns some, fucking somewhere. And so our option B, actually, mm. are, are like, so when you incorporate a company, you have to like pick multiple names, right? Mm. In case your first option or second option doesn't get selected. And our option B was like gun.io. But our option A was Hired Guns, Inc., mm. right? We just bought, he bought the domain, bought the domain. for gun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, looking back, you're just like, wow, what an asset. Like a three-letter top-level domain for .io. Yeah. But at the time, it was just sort of like, yeah, whatever. To, so there's a name, there's a couple of yeah. guys, you're working together. But I mean, this is a very loose concept dude. At, at that point. Like, what, what is actually transacting here? Dude, I mean, like, okay. He asked us to take part. We said, yeah, let's do it. I'll, you know, I'll do it if we can get JP in the mix. We got JP in the mix. We incorporated January 28th, 2013. And um, there's nothing happening. It was a fucking job board with some users. I mean, did it have transaction capabilities like at all? Or were you guys yeah. just like fielding a bunch of emails? Or So we would literally cold email companies down AngelList for eight hours a day, me and JP. And um, try to get them to list their available openings. Totally. Yeah. And um, like at one point we automated the process mm-hmm. and the CTO of AngelList at the time was like, how the fuck are you scraping our website? And uh, that was sort of like a point of pride for us. Cause I'm like, all right, fuck yeah. Like we're on the radar, <laughs> not like for good reasons but like <laughs> hey. hey fuck man like you got to be a little bit subversive to i yeah, think right. succeed all publicity is good publicity totally totally and um you know that's sort of how we started and i mean like we literally cold emailed basically as often as we could and when we weren't cold emailing we were working with companies to basically create content so you know our early sort of um co-partnered content was with companies like pubnub 
um you know a very well-known company today um you know who else man like blossom which is a project management software um shoot you guys, Zap zapier you guys were really early days. on like the seo train yeah you, know, you really figured out how to do content marketing before anybody else thought about that totally i mean and 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 we didn't have it down to a science i mean we just sort of like we sort of thought that that was the highest leverage way to apply our labor mm -hmm. and so you know we did this for maybe a couple of months and i was like all right like we need to get funding like that's how you get leverage right and um i literally googled how to get funding nashville because i was in nashville <laughs> right. you know, i was recovering from shoulder surgery it's like several months after and um went down to the you know what's called the ec locally entrepreneurship center or yeah. Entrepreneur center yeah yeah which for people who are not familiar with the concept of that it's like a public private partnership where like a lot of startups hang out you may know it as a co-working space or anything like that like we work didn't exist back in 2013 mm -hmm. i think or at least wasn't proliferated in smaller well, cities you know a place that you could hang out with other founders and mentors and you know just at least start to ask questions about entrepreneurship but yeah. even then startups you know like a startup ecosystem had not maybe blossomed out of a new york or a, a silicon valley like you know we we needed support for those of us in the south those of us in the midwest yeah you know, the ecosystems had not fully developed and this this was a really cool thing when nashville kind of said hey we we're going to come together and form an entrepreneur center and here's what that's going to look like and it was in a little building on first avenue and you know very totally. small space totally yeah. yeah and kudos you know to the people who took the risk and made that shit happen because we we walked in and um i was like yeah like we make three grand a month <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that was a fucking yeah. big deal hey making yeah. any money is a big deal. totally yeah and um you know the dude that we met his name was sean glinter and um he was like all right like that's pretty that's all right you guys got to go through this thing called jumpstart foundry i'm like all right and um went through it so we met you mm -hmm. uh as well as vic gatto vic gatto yep and um I don't know from there i would say like the rest is history is like putting one foot in front of the other you know what i mean putting one foot in front of the other well you're still moving from three thousand dollars a month to a lot of thousand dollars per month yeah and per day <laughs> per day right yeah. right and you know i think that i mean we do several million a year i don't know if the listeners no, yeah. but we're not, I mean, we're not like a hundred million dollar a year company, but we do significant revenue. Lots of severals. Yeah, right. totally, totally. <laughs> and, um, you know, we're, we've bootstrapped basically until this year, which is pretty rare in the ecosystem. It is rare. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly in the SaaS ecosystem. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Um, and I, I can get into that if we would like. Well, you know, I, I think that a lot of our listeners are founders Yeah. and you know, we, I can say for certain that, you know, a lot of people are listening to this and, and come into, you know, our client pipeline or at the place where like, you know, I need that developer probably not asking for $10 per hour, totally. you know, which is good. The ecosystem has evolved maybe thanks to some of our content, totally. <laughs> but you know, there is this, there's now a spirit of valuing high end software engineering in, in a way that simply didn't exist, you know, yeah. before. And I think that we've contributed 
to that. How do you how do you now think about you know, fast forward to you know a company that that is legit and a name in the space? Um, what what is the ethos that makes like high quality software engineers you know like valuable? It's mm. a good question. Um, so I think about I think about the following. I think that um, any need for software development talent exists because um, companies are able to grow and get value, economic value, create value as well as capture value from the creation of technology, right? And if you're familiar with the Coase theorem, the Coase, so like, you know, the, if you can Wikipedia the Coase theorem, listeners, the but, joke is that Teja always says something that I need to Wikipedia, by the way. So. <laughs> so, so, but the result is that firms are getting smaller. Economic relationships are not only getting, um, like due to the reduction in transaction costs, are, are we believe, getting more um, transient as well as more flexible. And so to us, it's like, you know, you no longer have to, you know, think several years out, hire an FTE for a need that you have um, to you know, improve one aspect of sure. your product as a SaaS company. And so that opportunity um, has created demand in some ways um, for a certain class of talent. So it's like a different class of work that kind of hasn't been predefined. And you know, totally. people are talking about this in the gig economy, but I don't know that the gig economy, maybe literature or articles captures yeah. the premium level of, of talent that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like, so simultaneous to that trend is like another trend um, that, you know, if you're an, let's say if you're an experienced knowledge worker, period, um, particularly if you're a software engineer who typically has like a lot of optionality and economic opportunity. And like in layman's, this means like you have, you can take whatever fucking job you want for whomever you it's want. It's a seller's right? market. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you have worked at the big prestigious fang companies, the Facebooks, the Amazons, the Netflix, the Googles, right? Uber. You have, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have worked at the, the high growth startup. You have your pick of the litter in jobs. And like you realize, in fact, that um, playing the venture capital traditional venture capital san francisco silicon valley startup game is very much a lottery right and that like you know everybody raises venture capital but very few are working on an opportunity that's you know quote unquote uber scale mm -hmm. right but everybody aspires to position their business as such and so many like ultimately the economics have to the economics don't yield what the executive team has promised the team and and soft and software developers get burned out, right? Like every CEO promises that you know their paltry option set is going to be worth a billion dollars, right. and how much? And that's part of your comp. I mean, it's, exactly. you're really making you're making a serious bet. Exactly. Yeah. And how and how many companies are actually worth that? Very few. And so, you know, and that's part of the game. That's part of the shuffle. Um, but and very few companies are worth that. And then, yeah, understandably software developers, marketers, salespeople, they're burned out. They don't fucking, they don't want to be a part of that ecosystem anymore. And so they go, they work on contracts, they want to go be, you know, I feel like 
the concept of being your own boss trivializes things and there's a lot of literature about being your own boss ultimately i believe like you know because of because of coast theorem because of a lot of different economic factors the notion of work is changing um and it's starting with knowledge work and more and and really the stratification between labor and management is being broken down okay right um and so labor has more autonomy they function more like management uh and sort of the ultimate leverage in your ability to earn income is your ability to one have skills and two improve those skills over a time period if if the rate of technology creates change in whatever skill set is required to create and extract economic value at any given time then the people who will benefit from that uncertainty are people who necessarily learn fast Mm -hmm. right so it's not just about having a set of skills at any static moment it's about being able to learn new skills at any future moment at in an time accelerating pace yeah. exactly mm-hmm. and so the nature of software development is uh, a job that sort of is about constantly learning new shit right but i would argue if you take a step back and say that's in fact all knowledge work um in addition to the trend that we saw when we were working on gun initially with software companies we were like hey like there's also this trend about more people working freelance more Mm -hmm. people taking charge of their own careers in the software development industry uh and we certainly knew like there were a lot of developers who were really fucking good adding value for companies that just like needed help managing their own deal flow managing their work managing their billing um that we knew we could connect with companies that needed them Mm -hmm. um and so the business underwent a couple evolutions and you know different frameworks we started as a job board and i think we're somewhere around this notion of like agents for freelance developers right where we take care of a lot of the bullshit that they have to face um, not only that, but like I think we systemize and de-risk the process of hiring elite talent for companies, right? In, right. in a different format. Yeah. yeah. And I, I often look at what we do, and I I think about that, you know, it's just a different cohort, yeah, of talent, and the people that are interested in in what we do do not expose themselves to other methods. And companies that are under a lot of economic pressure now for hiring, I mean, hiring engineer is is miserable and it Can takes be. a long time yeah. and you know your product roadmap isn't going to advance yeah. while you're doing that detailed hiring process well what if you could have those engineers right away from a pool that is not being tapped elsewhere that's yeah. a competitive advantage oh yeah absolutely i mean i mean this sounds fake but it's real like you know you go through our channels and you look at how clients are interacting with the devs it's clear that like, you know, a client can be in New York City and in theory have access to like a really liquid labor market, um, but they literally, you know, can't separate the wheat from the chaff, 
right? Mm-hmm. They get so many shitty applications that they can't find like the, the three developers that they want to fucking interview, right? Right. Uh, and you know who's going to be interviewing? It's their management team because they're right, a growing which company. Is, like, carries an enormous opportunity cost totally, on their time. Yeah. Totally, totally. And and I I actually fundamentally believe like every new addition to your company, your management should interview. So like I think that's a good use of time, but it's a costly use of time, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't want to interview. But you shouldn't interview everyone. Exactly. You know, top exactly. top people that you might actually get. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, like that's a pain in the ass. And then on the other hand, you know like. We had a client, you know, who, who was from fucking Montana, right? And there, you, it's like they have the opposite problem, where they literally can't find anybody that um, meets their experience requirements, mm-hmm. their personality fit. Like that's an opposite problem. That's not like a separating. That's not like a noise to signal problem. That's more so like. They're not getting jack shit out there. Like, I need signal at all. Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know, look, companies in all parts of the country, in all parts of the world, um, face different manifestations of this underlying problem of like, of like, you know, high quality talent that they can choose from. And like, you know, people they'll email me or, you know, I'll stand in a meeting with another entrepreneur and they're like, hey, like, I need a higher developer. I need a hire so-and-so. Like, what should I do? And I'm like, dude, like, all right, find a way to take as many high impact interviews as you can. Like use us, mm-hmm. use other sources, use your network, right? And like find out where you're getting the best talent from and then double down. And like, I, you know, it's like, look, I believe, um, I don't want this to be a commercial, but it's like we, you know, we believe no, in we the quality. believe in what we're doing. Yeah, 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 yeah I totally. say that every time at the end of an episode. Like, totally. You know, I don't want to pitch you, but like, we believe so much in what we're doing totally. and the talent that comes out of it. Yeah, totally. And it's like you know, it's like put two to three people from our shit against the, the five from your network, the five from you fucking remote.io or remote.com. I forget or whatever the, it is. Yeah. yeah, and you know. GitHub, like any of any of the other sources, and and like pick and like, you know, have an auction and pick the source that is giving you the best talent. Right. And look, like we don't deliver on every fucking thing. um, But when we do double down. And so that's sort of like how I think about it is like we are a resource among many and we have a certain philosophy that dictates the way we do things and that creates certain results. And so, I mean, like, whether you're a fucking well-funded startup in New York City or San Francisco or you're, you know, working out of Nashville, Tennessee, you know, we understand your needs and, and I think we do and a good look, job. Look, your time is valuable. I mean, yeah. if, you, if you want to get off the ground fast with great engineering talent, you can come here. Totally. <laughs> We're happy to have you and have that conversation. Totally. And, and, and I almost look at it like if you've never driven like an M3, let's just say like a BMW, like, you know, like if you've never driven an M3. Yeah. Like if you've never driven like a car that is fun as fuck to drive and goes fast and like had that experience of, like, and like you're in the cars, it's hard to imagine why the fuck anybody would pay that premium. Right. And it's even, it's not even worth it sometimes to be like, Hey, like, it's just fun. Trust me. Right. Like you gotta be like, Hey dude, like, Go drive that shit, and then we could have a conversation about whether or not it's economically worth it to right. use to use that to pay for that, right? Sure. And that's sometimes how I feel about our shit because it's hard to appreciate the difference 
because it feels like any other fucking car. It feels like any other fucking service. It feels like a job board. It can feel like a job board. Um, and so that's how I think about it. That's how I think about our place in the market. And like, and, and it's not right for everybody. Yeah. I mean, like, like sometimes you legitimately cannot afford the totally. top 1% talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just can't. Yeah. And, but you should think about at least what that looks like and how to know when totally. you can afford totally. it. And, and, and the funny thing is, is like, you know, like those who shall not be named frames themselves as the top 1% talent. And, top and, X percent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, so does every fucking company. Mm, and, yeah. and really, I'm going to tell you something, folks. 99% of the applications we get don't even have correct grammar. So we too have the top 1% of talent. But really, ask the company what their interview process is. You know, if you're working with a dev shop, ask them, hey, tell me about your interview process. Tell me about your hiring. Don't just tell me it's really tight or really strict. Tell me about what the interview looks like, how many stages you guys have. Show me the fucking experience of the code test, right? Because I invite every technical hirer to go through our vetting process to experience how tight the vetting is. So then, I mean, like the next time you're working with a software development firm or you're working with a marketplace or a recruiter, yeah, or a recruiter who you go, pay 30% totally, of salary, totally go through the fucking vetting process and like you don't have to be a developer just like like go through the actual thing and if you don't know what the test you know if they ask you like do you know big o notation forward that to a developer and like see if that's stringent yeah and that's, so, that's a good point like go through what what we put candidates through i mean it's a it's a freaking boot camp that took us years to figure out yeah years to understand that that's the way to serve this market um I don't know. And we're pretty happy with the result, honestly. So let me pivot before we end here. Yeah. Like, I want to hear some, some of your personal CEO and, and leadership strategy. I mean, you, you get out of bed every day to run a company kind and, of. uh, you know, there's, there's people that look up to you and, you know, sort of are taking your guidance and vision. So, you know, for anybody who's listening and wants to know about that stuff, yeah. You know, whether I and I, I know you, and you're not a guy that likes to be on the stage and likes to you know have the lights on you and, and all that. And we do have the lights on you uh, right now, but you know there are not a lot of entrepreneurs who get to found a company that gets to you know millions and millions of dollars of of revenue. So you know what what is the philosophy that keeps you going in that seat? Um, it's an interesting question, and like let me caveat this by just saying like you should only listen to people if you're like an entrepreneur that have like successfully started, grown, and sold a company for like north of a hundred million dollars. So like, that's my, that's that's it. So, so like, take my advice with like many grains of salt because I have not done that yet. And I feel like it's almost like asking, you know, a year two NBA player, like, you know, like what's the secret to pro ba basketball? It's like, you don't fucking know in year two. Um, so let me caveat it with that. Um, but I can speak candidly about my personal motivation. And so look, like at the end of the day, like I hate most things about running a company, like not like 95% of things about running a company I actually dislike, right? Uh, but I really like uh, the fact that 
you're never done learning and that you're always working at the edge of your ability, right? So like the business itself is always in some ways a reflection of your personal ability to plan and execute. And, you know, if the business is not big enough or it's not doing well enough, it's ultimately your fault. And um, to me, like the fact that it's never done and the fact that you're never done learning um, is like is I don't know, is extremely motivating because I have a lot of friends who are working in, you know, medicine or um, who are, you know, actually writing code that feel like they're 35 and like their career is stagnated and like they've learned all that they could have and um, are done. Like they, they have hit their ceiling. Whereas, you know, when you're building a company, um, you, you never hit a ceiling. Like you're only limited by your ability to think and execute. And like that to me is like electrifying, honestly. Because you know that at the end of the day, if you're fucked, it's your fault, right? <laughs> like that, and that, and that's amazing to me. There's nothing else in nobody in, else to blame. Yeah, totally. And and I mean, like I don't know, like few things I think in life give you that feeling. You know, like so I I would say like that's what gets me out of bed. Um, the game of entrepreneurship is fundamentally interesting because you're never done learning. Great answer. I love it, man. Yeah. Teja Yanamandra, CEO, co-founder of Gun.io. Thanks for joining us for the 100th episode, which blows my mind having sat in this chair Holy for shit, dude. 100 interviews. Yeah. So it's been a lot of fun. Um, thanks to Corsair Distillery for providing the uh, Liquid Truth Serum, okay. otherwise known as Triple Smoke, Wildfire, and Rhymageddon mm. for this episode. Corsair totally. is totally awesome nashville company kentucky company if you come down to nashville our hometown make sure that you do the distillery tour because it, it was super a lot of fun and, and i learned a lot about it so thanks all for listening we'll be back next time thanks for listening to the frontier podcast produced by gun.io we're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers if you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.